Ladies and gentlemen, this is The Forward Curve. Hello and welcome to The Forward Curve, the weekly podcast covering the commodity markets and the global economy. Brought to you by Gold Street Advisors, the independent research and advisory firm. In this episode, we reveal the mineral wealth of a country very much in the news these days, Afghanistan. I'm Christian Klavodecher, and joining me is our chief analyst, Robin Barr. Hello, Robin. Welcome back. Thanks, Christian. The toppling of Afghanistan's pro-Western government and re-establishment of Taliban control have handed the running of the country's formal economy over to the Islamists. What about the fate of its natural resources, and in particular, metals and minerals? Some contracts had been awarded by the previous government to develop copper, gold, and iron ore projects. What happens now to these projects? This is quite an interesting and timely topic, Robin. So how is Afghanistan highly prospective for metals and minerals? Well, Afghanistan is positioned on the Tethian belt. The Tethian metallogenic belt, to give its full title, is a geological trend line extending from northwestern Africa through Europe, through Anatolia and Turkey to Iran, and in fact goes way onwards to the Pacific. It's one of the world's major metal-producing belts and consists of many sectors. As a result of this TMB for short, Afghanistan is well endowed with gold, with iron ore, bauxite, the raw material for aluminum, copper, gems, rare earth minerals, and lithium. What can you tell us about the recent production there? Okay, in 2017, so not that long ago, minerals mined in Afghanistan included chromite, coal, floor spar, gypsum, lime, marble, natural gas, petroleum, salt, and precious and semi-precious stones. In recent years, however, deterioration of the security situation, uh, as we're witnessing, political uncertainty, and a lack of infrastructure prevented the development of most of these resources. I suspect that this is an aspect of this long-suffering country that most people are not aware of. Correct. Some experts have seen the war-torn country as literally sitting on a gold mine, with total mineral deposits worth one trillion US dollars. Estimates, however, of the value of resources can be deceptive. They leave out hefty production and shipping overheads, for example. The cost of capital must also allow for political volatility. Afghanistan is a landlocked region with a threadbare railway network. So moving around is going to be difficult. Extraction of some minerals, such as lithium and rare earth metals, requires sophisticated technology. So U.S. Pentagon talk of Afghanistan being the Saudi Arabia of lithium is rather wide of the mark. Mm. So, Robin, uh, tell us a bit about the ANAC copper project there. Okay, an interesting one. State-owned China Metallurgical Group, a subsidiary of state-owned Min Metals and Jiangxi Copper, secured the license from ANAC, one of the world's biggest copper deposits in 2018. They paid almost three billion US dollars to the 
Afghan government for the right to mine the project for 30 years, producing 320,000 tonnes per year of copper in concentrates. Somewhat ironically, in Pashto, INEC means small copper deposit. Mm -hmm. The INEC deposit is located 35 kilometres south of Kabul, so pretty close in the northern portion of Logar province. Estimates by the USGS show indicated resources of 240 million tonnes, grading 2.3% copper, making it one of the largest untapped high-grade projects in the world. As of 2018, MCC was still in discussion with the Ministry of Mines and Petroleum regarding amendments to the INAC mining contract. The latest issue is that the ore lies beneath a UNESCO heritage site, which means that the miners can hardly bulldoze. Although INAC is permitted and reported to be in early stages of construction, the project is still considered high risk given the ongoing political and instability in the country. Right. So what formal plans, uh, if any, have an existence for Afghanistan's mining um, industry up to now? Okay, quite a few. So if we start with 2016, the control of the mining sector was removed from the Ministry of Mines and Petroleum and placed under the office of the presidency. The High Economic Council is responsible for approving and evaluating new mining contracts according to the mining law of 2014, and the National Procurement Commission is responsible for tendering the licenses. In 2017, the High Economic Council approved the draft of a mining sector roadmap. The objectives of this roadmap are to develop the mining sector of Afghanistan and address challenges in the mining sector, including the legal framework, necessary reforms, and creation of industries and markets. So are there other projects that could be developed in Afghanistan? Indeed, there are. In 2018, the government approved a contract at Silk Road Mining and Development for the Shida Porphyry Copper Prospect. In October 2018, the Badakhshan Gold Prospect and Balkab Copper Prospects Exploration Contract was awarded to the UK-based company Centaur Limited, which partnered with the local company Afghan Gold and Mineral Company. The bidding process could resume for the Zarkashan Copper Gold Prospect and the Hajigak Iron Ore Project should the political situation stabilise. Mm. Uh, sadly, it's opium production not mining, that has been the main source of foreign revenue for the country, right? Correct. Uh, In recent years, the deterioration of the security situation, political uncertainty, and the lack of infrastructure continued to affect the economic growth of Afghanistan negatively. Afghanistan remains the world's largest producer of opium, despite about 9 billion US being devoted to counter-narcotics operations in the years since the US-led invasion of 2001. And it looks to be staying that way, as mining deals don't appear imminent anytime soon. It would seem that the current situation in Afghanistan could not be any more heartbreaking and frustrating than it already is. That it's a country that has great mineral wealth that could be benefiting the Afghani people is a massive insult to injury. 
Considering the long, tumultuous history of the country and its present situation, it's hard to see a future in which these resources are tapped and the Afghani people rewarded with a stable society and economy. I want to thank Robin for joining me today, and I also want to thank you for joining us. Please be sure to subscribe to The Forward Curve on your favorite podcast platform. I'm Christian Clavidecher, and on behalf of the Gold Street Advisors team, I thank you for listening. And remember to always keep an eye and ear on The Forward Curve.